Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Gabrielle, and it is so nice to be here. This is my first time preaching here at St. Barnabas Church, so it's an absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. So before I begin, I feel like I should just tell you a little bit about myself so you know who I am. So um, my name is Gabrielle. I actually have three middle names because my parents could not make their minds up. So my name is Gabrielle, Catherine, Sarah, Elizabeth. Don't worry, you don't have to remember those. Um, I am currently training for ordination at Ridley Hall. So I'm introduced to the world of theological study this year. And I was actually baptised 10 years ago this year, just a few weeks ago. It was my baptism birthday, so um, it feels like a very special year as well for that reason. So, let's, enough about me. Let's open up God's amazing word and read our passage for today. So our passage for this morning is taken from Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honour on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his most reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So throughout the book of Hebrews, there's this running theme of authority and reverence for Jesus. In chapters 1 and 2, we read that Jesus is higher than the angels. In chapters 3 and 4, Jesus is greater than Moses and the prophets. And in Hebrews 5 through 7, Jesus is the great high priest, greater than any priest or king before him. As we look at this passage in Hebrews 5, there's this particular theme of Jesus' humility and humanity in the midst of all this. Our writer keenly points out that in his mortality, Jesus was subject to weakness. That means he knows what we've gone through. He's experienced the same pain, struggles and emotions as we do. He experienced humanity and the pain that comes with that. It says in our passage today that he offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. He didn't presume to take the honour or glory, nor did he choose the power for his own sake. He was chosen by God 
He took on the authority given to him with reverent submission. For me, this is a beautiful representation of Jesus. What God would I want to serve more than a God who puts others before himself? What God would I want to pray to more than a God who understands my humanity and my pain? In this particular passage, the writer is keen to stress that Jesus' humanity and humility made his glory and his divine authority complete. In his role as divine priest, Jesus brings us close to God. So what is this about priests? This passage seems to go on about priesthood, Jesus as the divine priest. But what does that mean and why does it matter? So in order to understand what our writer means when he speaks of priests, we need to rewind back to the Old Testament. So in the early days of Israel, the high priest was an important position. The priest would stand before God on behalf of the people, offering gifts and sacrifices for their sins. So Aaron, you might have heard of Aaron, was the original high priest designated by God himself. God commanded Moses to set aside Aaron and his sons as priests, offering sacrifices on behalf of the people. From that point on, no one else could serve in this way, only those who were descendants of Aaron. While the power, authority and influence of priesthood might have been tempting, priesthood was not a role that anyone could choose for themselves. In fact, a few people tried and it didn't end well for them. You may have heard of King Saul. Well, he tried to offer sacrifices on behalf of the priest Samuel and he lost his kingship because of it. During the days of Israel's wilderness wandering, a Levite called Korah incited a rebellion, demanding that he and his family be made priests. But if you enjoy a gruesome story, you'll like this one. In Numbers 16, you can read all about how Korah and his family were literally swallowed up by the earth. So as we can see here, priesthood was a serious matter to God. Authority in God's eyes was not something to be sought out, but a gift given. No one could take on this power, authority and influence, unless ordained by God himself. You had to be chosen by God. With this in mind, it becomes all the more important when we read verse 5 again. Just as Aaron was called by God, also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Once again, we see this humility of Jesus, who stands before God on our behalf as our great high priest. Unlike the power-hungry Korah or the impatient King Saul, he didn't take on his role for the glory, power, authority or influence, but rather out of obedience to God who chose him. As I mentioned before, Aaron was the original high priest and only his descendants could be a priest. But anyone who has a keen knowledge of the genealogy of Jesus might notice that he wasn't actually a direct descendant of Aaron. 
particularly for the religious leaders at the time that Jesus was around, this would have been a perfect excuse to write off Jesus. Why should we listen to this guy who doesn't even have the right credentials? Who does he think he is to stand before God on my behalf? Well, this is why the, key, the writer is very keen to clarify who Jesus is. He's qualified in his authority as priest because he is a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So, back to the Old Testament again. Who was Melchizedek? Well, Melchizedek is an interesting biblical character because he wasn't actually mentioned too much in the Bible. He pops up in Genesis 14 when he meets Abram, and then we never see him again. He's not a priest from the line of Aaron, and it seems quite mysterious that this man seems to know the one true God, despite being a Canaanite rather than an Israelite. But what's also interesting about this Melchizedek is that he is not only a priest in the Bible, but he is a king. And he is the only priest in the Bible who is also a king. I wonder who that might remind you of. Well, like Melchizedek, Jesus is also a priest and a king. When we get to Hebrews chapter 7, we'll get to delve even deeper into who Melchizedek is and why he was important. But for now, I'll point out that when we look at verse 6 in Hebrews chapter 5, this is not simply a statement invented to fix the genealogical problems of Jesus. But he's actually referring back to Psalm 110 verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. This psalm passage is a prophecy and a promise. We can see from this that the priesthood of Jesus was always God's plan. God had always planned to give Jesus the authority to forgive sins. Unlike the Old Testament priests who were flawed and lived with sin, Jesus was flawless. He was perfect. He lived a faultless life. Unlike Aaron, who repeatedly offered sacrifices on behalf of the people, Jesus was able to offer the perfect sacrifice himself, becoming the source of eternal salvation. Despite the mysteriousness of Melchizedek, his role in God's story is key. He serves as a foreshadowing of the king priest who was to come. Unlike Aaron and his sons who served only as priests, Jesus is our great king as well as our great high priest. So we read on Hebrews chapter 5 verses 8 to 9. It says, Although he was a son, He learned obedience through what he suffered, and having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. He learned obedience. When I read this passage for the first time, I was confused. He learned obedience. If Jesus learned obedience, does that mean he was once disobedient? If he was made perfect... Was he once imperfect? Well, reading ahead, this just can't be true. The Bible is clear that Jesus was tempted, but without sin. So how did Jesus learn obedience? Well, the way I like to think about it is like this. 
Jesus' sinlessness was key to his role as a sacrifice. How could he take on the punishment that we deserve for our sin without first proving himself in the face of sin? Only Jesus was worthy because he looked in the face of temptation and said no. Only Jesus was worthy because he looked in the face of suffering and still accepted it for the sake of the people who he loves. He went from untested obedience to tested and proven obedience. Jesus' role as the perfect sacrifice was made complete through suffering. Having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. As a result of this, those who place their faith in his sacrifice can share in his righteousness and have peace with God. We can be justified. We can be made right with God because he is the great high priest. So, how can we respond to all of this? Well, I think if one of our ultimate aims of Christianity is to be like Jesus, then let's think of it like this. Jesus is humble and obedient. So let's be humble and obedient. Jesus didn't seek out power and influence like an impatient King Saul or a greedy Korah. Jesus was humble making himself the least, even to go as far as to give his life. Jesus, who gave his life for us who are imperfect. What God would you want to worship more than a God who puts you above himself? So how else can we respond than to also humble ourselves before God? After all, the Bible says that those who humble themselves before the Lord will be lifted up. Jesus showed the greatest humility when he gave himself, and he was lifted up to the right hand of the Father. And how else can we respond to Jesus' obedience than to be obedient to him? Now, I'm not going to deny here that to follow Jesus is a challenge and a sacrifice. To obey God in the midst of a culture that has a different set of standards is hard. Sometimes it means putting a hold on your own desires. Sometimes it means people will think we're weird or even dislike us. Sometimes it means doing the right thing, even if the consequences are bad. But if Jesus was obedient so far as to give his life, then with prayer and the Holy Spirit... He can help us to be obedient too. Second way that we can respond to this passage is that Jesus is in charge. So let's trust in him. As we've seen over and over again, Jesus is the great high priest. He stood before God on our behalf and he offered the ultimate sacrifice. And because of this, those who place their faith in him can share in his righteousness and have peace with God. We can be justified. I mean, we can be made right with God because he is the great high priest. We are forgiven, valued and loved. Not because we've done anything to deserve it. Not because we've been, tick we've been ticking the right boxes and doing the right things. 
There is literally nothing that can separate us from God's love. No mistakes and no shame. I realise that trusting in God's forgiveness is hard. Even if it's in your head, sometimes it's hard to have that knowledge in your heart. Particularly when something's a part of your life, but you don't feel like you have the power to be better. Feeling shame can be crippling. I find that when I feel a sense of shame or sin in my life, I'll do one of two things. One, I'll bury my head in the sand and pretend that there's nothing wrong and I will ignore it. Or I'll just feel completely weighed down by the guilt, not really sure what to do with myself. But either way, it's often caused me to run away from God. But perhaps the Bible passage from today can be a reminder that we don't need to hide from God because he makes us clean. In some ways, knowing our weaknesses can be a strength because it will keep us humble. And when we come back to that idea of obedience, there is nothing that we can do in our own power to be obedient other than to humble ourselves before God and ask for his help. By the power of the Holy Spirit, may God transform us by renewing our minds and helping us to follow his will. So with that said, let's humble ourselves before God and ask for his help. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that you are the great high priest with the authority to forgive us. We humble ourselves before you now. Sorry for the times when we ignore your will and your way. Please help us to listen to you and to obey you, just as Jesus did when he accepted his role as our ultimate sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our great high priest. Amen.